I want you to think about the fact that that biblically God saves you. Salvation is a means to an end. It's not the end. And this is a massive shift for a lot of believers. Um, salvation is not the end. Salvation always comes with a purpose. When God set Israel free from Egypt, he saved them from 400 years of bondage. Once they got across the Red Sea and Egypt had been drowned, Israel was saved. And if that was the end, God would have said, I've done my job, well done, now go enjoy your life. The problem is they were saved, but they were in a transitional period. God saved them from Egypt to bring them into the promised land. What's up, everyone? would like to welcome you to this very, very special episode of the Braveheart Podcast. I want to first start off by thanking all of you for downloading this podcast, for tuning in, for sharing testimonies. Uh, we are coming up on the 100,000 download mark for the Braveheart Podcast, which is absolutely incredible. I'm humbled. I'm floored. This means people are hungry for the gospel, uh, that you're being encouraged and strengthened in your faith, uh, and that you're finding confidence with God and courage to transform the world, and it's amazing. And so to celebrate uh, this amazing milestone, we are going to give away uh, five exclusive Braveheart t-shirts. Uh, they are the white on white, if you've seen them. Uh, these are exclusive. You cannot buy them anywhere. Uh, we are going to give away five of them along with five subscriptions to the Freedom with God course, which is brand new. We released last month. It's a six-week course uh, that's going to blow your mind literally uh, and just cause you to fall in love with God all over again. Uh, to enter in to this contest to win, uh, we want to hear from you either on your Instagram, tag Peter K. Lewis in Braveheart Ministries, um, or just send us a video to info at braveheartministries.org. Uh, and give us a 30 to 60 second testimony of how the Braveheart podcast has transformed your walk with God, giving you confidence with him. We want to celebrate with you uh, and we're going to pick five lucky winners and give you a t-shirt, exclusive t-shirt and a registration paid for for the Freedom with God course. Uh, so yes, hooray, praise God. He's amazing. You guys are amazing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Uh, we read all your comments and your emails. Uh, it means the world to us. So having said that, I want to talk to you uh, about a conversation that I believe is the most important conversation that nobody is having. And before we get into that, I want to tell you that we have a very special announcement as well. On September 14th, September 14th, we are going to open registration for seven days only. So we'll have registration for a special event that we were doing for seven days only. And what we're doing is we are holding a, a two-day conference. There's only 100 spots and this conference is to train up and raise up leaders who want to plant a brave heart group in their city, in their state, in their home that want to take the brave heart resources and cultivate a group in their home. Uh, we will announce this officially on September 1st. Uh, but for my podcast listeners, 
I am giving you this heads up. September 14th, we are going to open registration, and that event is going to be November 6th and 7th in Dallas. And again, there's only 100 spots, and so uh, registration will only be open for seven days. It will not be live streamed. We will just have it there for those people who can come. And so anyway, wanted to give you a heads up on that. So now I would like to hop in to what I believe is the most important conversation that no one is having. And you say, Peter, what is that? And I'm going to tell you here in a minute. But before I do, I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of conversations that the church is having and that our nation is having right now. To say that this is the most important conversation that no one is having is not to say that it's the only conversation or that there are not important conversations being had. I just want to submit humbly that I genuinely believe this conversation is the most important, that, that to have this conversation that we're about to have over the next few weeks, over the next few months, I believe frames every other conversation that we are having. I know our church, The Upper Room, has been having a conversation on uh, race, and it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, We've had the race conversation. We're having a a conversation on what's happening in our nation with uh, critical theory and uh, just some of the woke culture and and all the things happening. To be honest, a lot of things that I don't understand, uh, it it feels a little bit uh, complex uh, but but no doubt there are there are spirits and agendas at work in our nation. There is divisiveness. There is uh, there's pain. There's sorrow. Um, we are in a very critical time in our nation, specifically in the church as well. Um, and and that's really who I'm speaking to here. That this conversation is a, ch- a conversation that I want to. Uh, hopefully stir up in in the body of Christ. I want to encourage leaders and pastors and and and, and people really uh, of the of the house of God to begin to have this conversation. Um, and so to start this conversation uh, today, I'm going to read a handful of scriptures. And again, we're going to just start the conversation today. And I hope to to continue this with you over the next few weeks. So make sure. Uh, that you guys just stay tuned over the next few weeks. I feel like it's going to really hopefully stir something up inside of you. Uh, Hopefully it will make a lot of sense uh, and bring clarity uh, to your heart and just to what's happening in the world today. And so um, I'm going to read to you just a a few scriptures here, and then we'll go from there. And so I'm going to start in Colossians 1, verse 22 and 23. says this, It says, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, comma, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. That's Colossians 1, 22 and 23. The next verse I'm going to read is 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Paul says this, he says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ 
is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And so, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open the Word of God to our hearts, that you would give us understanding and clarity into this conversation that I believe you are wanting to initiate with your bride. Um, And so we say, Holy Spirit, we yield to you. We trust you. Uh, Teach us your word and open our hearts to what you're saying to us in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're a careful listener, you'll notice that I emphasized uh, a couple phrases there. Um, and And in case you're wondering now, what is the most important conversation that no one is having, uh, I believe it's a conversation about the faith. Um, and, and, and I'm not talking about just faith. I'm talking about the faith, uh, which is a, a very particular phrase that the scriptures use to describe our connection to God in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And we'll unpack that later. But I want to highlight something here in Colossians 1. We'll start, where, we'll start there where, where I first read. God's desire is that he present us, that Jesus present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And and I want to highlight, though, that there is a conditional, that is a conditional promise. Now, I know we talk about the unconditional love of God, and and that's 100% true. But in order to enter into this conversation about the faith, I think we have to acknowledge something as believers, that the faith is not static. It is not something that is merely transactional. The faith is a living thing. It is something that is that is alive. Um, the scripture speaks of the faith can be strong. The faith can be weak. Here, the scripture says that if you continue in the faith, which means there's a possibility of us not continuing in the faith. Now, I know the immediate question that rises up in people's hearts is, well, are you saying we can, you know, we can lose our salvation? And, and, and thank you for asking that, because that brings me to the first point here is that I believe uh, one of the biggest mistakes we've made in the modern church is that we have made salvation from hell. We have placed uh, an importance Uh, and an emphasis on getting people saved from hell and going to heaven, Uh, we've placed an inordinate amount of emphasis on this reality that we have diminished the responsibility and, and the joy and the privilege that we have of continuing in the faith. And I would like to submit to you, those of you who know your word and know your Bible, that, that being saved from hell and going to heaven and stewarding your faith until the Lord returns are of equal importance biblically. What do I mean by that? I mean that we cannot just bank on one and ignore the other. One of the experiments I did as I began to study this years ago, uh, and, and the Lord began to show me the faith and how the faith was a really big deal to him, and it was, it was a central focus of the early church and the early church leadership, I began to just ask and poll people to describe the faith. And, and I would get different answers from every single person I asked, which showed me that there's some confusion within the body of Christ about the faith. Now, 
I'm not going to pretend that we're going to answer all these questions in the 30-minute podcast, but what I do want to do is I want to provoke you to begin to have this conversation and begin to get into your word. And as you study the New Testament, as you study Paul's exhortation to the churches and Peter and James and and even Christ himself, um, that we begin to examine the faith and really, really begin to get a grasp and an understanding of what this means for us and why it's so important. And so Colossians 1, this may confuse you. There is a conditional promise of being presented holy and blameless and above reproach him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. This is amazing to me. And what I like about this, what I like about the fact that faith is not static, it's not just something that you, that's just guaranteed that it's a living thing, that it that it responds to God or, or that it doesn't respond. And again, you, you'll, you'll, you'll hear me fumbling to get out words because we have a limited time here. I'm merely wanting to, to provoke you with this podcast. I'm going to provoke you and you're going to have a lot more questions maybe than you have answers. Um, and that's okay because I want, I want you to know we're going to continue this conversation uh, in the weeks to come. And so, um, but what I like about the faith being a living thing is that is that it it involves a response, a right response to who God is and to who Jesus is. If faith is a static thing, then unbelief is a static thing, um, and it can never change. Meaning, if you are in faith and it can never change, you could never lose faith. Um, then then unbelief is static, and if you're in unbelief, then that can never change. And so what I love about faith is that I believe that within this living faith is an invitation from God to every heart that can hear the gospel, that God desires you to be in the faith and to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And so the the second point I want to make is that is that the size of our faith or the strength of our faith directly corresponds to the size of our gospel. I'm going to say that again. The strength of your faith and the health of your faith, it directly corresponds to your to the gospel paradigm that you have. Now, if if we believe that the gospel is simply the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, and we have faith in that, and if I put my faith in that, the good news is that I get freed from my sins, and I'm going to go to heaven one day, that's a measure of faith. That's a, that's, that's, I celebrate that. There is, a, there is a beautiful measure of faith that is deposited through that, that aspect of the gospel. However, that doesn't teach me how to continue in the faith. Um, I don't know how to continue in the revelation that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again uh, if no one teaches me how to do that. If I view the gospel as simply a transactional message for someone who is lost coming into the kingdom, then as a believer, I'm not going to know what to do with the gospel or I'm not going to have a gospel message that allows me to continue in. Does that make sense? And so... To continue in the faith means that means that I have to have a gospel that continues to me when I get saved. And, and I would say 90% of the believers that I meet believe that the gospel is a message only for the world. It is a message for the world. But I want to submit to you that the gospel message is 100% 
a message for the church and for the body of Christ, which is why we are encouraged to continue in the faith, which is connected to the gospel. The second scripture I read, which is really important and maybe confusing to some people, Paul is encouraging a bunch of Christians uh, to examine themselves, not to find fault. He's not examining, he doesn't say, I want you to examine yourselves to see if you have sin. Uh, I want you to examine yourselves to see how messed up you are. He says, I want you to examine yourselves. I want you to look within and I want you to give yourself a test. And the test is, are you in the faith or not? So my first observation I want to submit to you is that, that to the Corinthian church, Paul's expectation was that they would know whether or not they were in the faith. Now, if you have read through the New Testament, you know that, that consistently throughout Paul's letters, he mentions a phrase, as you were taught, as you were taught, as you were taught. And so if you're confused about what this means, All it means is that you might not have been taught about the faith. And listen, I'm not here to accuse or to throw stones. Uh, You guys know my heart by now. I celebrate every denomination, every expression of the body of Christ, any pastor, leader who's laboring genuinely for the kingdom of God uh, and, and to shepherd God's people, I bless you and I honor you and I celebrate the, the, the work that you've done. Um, I really do. I don't mean that in any, there's no motive behind that. Um, and so I never want anyone to feel like um, it, it, there's an us and them or that somehow uh, there's some secret revelation that Braveheart's carrying. It's none of that. Um, I believe for a lot of us, and if you're like me, I grew up in a tradition and I just wasn't taught certain things. And it was only through uh, the, the grace of God and the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that he began to teach and unpack certain truths that have, that have since awakened my heart to the beauty and the power of the new covenant. And so if you're confused about this text, it's because you may have not been taught about the faith. And so here Paul says to this group of Christians, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to test yourselves. And I believe he gives us the key to like, what's the litmus test? What's the litmus test to see whether you are in the faith? How do you know? I believe it's in the next section of the verse. He says this, or do you not realize this about yourselves? This is amazing that Jesus Christ is in you. And then he, and then he gives a pause and he says, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. This is, there is so much here. Again, I'm going to go back to my first point in that we have overemphasized this, this feeling of, are we saved? Are we not saved? Salvation is both transactional, but it is also progressive and ongoing, and it is also future biblically. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved uh, in different measures. And so I want to just encourage you to begin to think about salvation differently. Instead of thinking about it as, you know, just something we experience once to make sure everything's good, I want you to think about the fact that, that biblically God saves you. Salvation is a means to an end. It's not the end. And this is a massive shift for a lot of believers. Many Christians, whether whether knowingly or unknowingly, believe that salvation is the end. Um, Salvation is not the end. Salvation always comes with a purpose. When God set Israel free from Egypt, he saved them from 400 years of bondage. 
once they got across the Red Sea and Egypt had been drowned, Israel was saved. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pass the gravy. Israel was saved. They were saved. And, and if that was the end, God would have said, I've done my job. Well done. Now go enjoy your life. The problem is they were saved, but they were in a transitional period. God saved them from Egypt to bring them into the promised land. Okay, I want you to get this because this is a prophetic picture of, I believe, where we're at in the body of Christ. I believe the, 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 the generational leaders that we've, been, that we've been under are like Moses, and, and they have been anointed by God to get us out of bondage, out of Egypt, out of sin, out of death, out of hell, and into heaven. And so, so many of us, our idea of church and leadership is let's get out of sin, and let's get baptized through the Red Sea, and let's, and let's get born again, praise God, let's come up out of the waters, and we come up out of the waters, and we encounter a wilderness in a 40-day journey that for some of us has lasted for 40 years. Why? Because we've not realized that God's salvation was meant to bring us into the promised land. And, and for the new covenant, the promised land is Christ. Christ is Canaan. Uh, the, to, to, to be one with Christ, to enjoy union with Christ and Christ-likeness is the end. Union with Christ is the end of your salvation. So God saves us from sin and death and wickedness and depravity. He, his blood cleanses us, his grave, his cross, all of that purges us from all the wickedness that we inherited in the fall of man. We're resurrected in newness of life so that we can experience union with Christ. And in our union with Christ, Jesus himself, his, his nature, his likeness is fashioned inside of us through the faith. And this is why the faith is so important, because the faith is that substance where our spirit and God's spirit collides and the very substance of Christ begins to be formed and fashioned in us by the Holy Spirit. And so to test yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith is to look within and to ask yourself this question, is Jesus really in there? When I look within my heart, do I find the meekness of Jesus? Do I find the patience of Jesus? Do I find the humility of Jesus? Do I find the love of Jesus? I'm not saying do I find it in its fullness. I'm saying do I find do I find that substance of Christ? Do I see that I actually have the imprint of God's nature deep within my heart that in my deepest core of my being my longing is to walk like Jesus Christ. My longing is to look like him. Now, for many of you who've never been taught to give yourselves this test, you may have not known that you could even ask yourself this question, but even as I'm talking, I sense in the spirit that this bears witness with you, that, that this, this resonates deeply inside of you, that, that you may grow up in a tradition where you're, you're taught to question yourself. You're taught to question the integrity or the purity of your heart. Um, but here in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, we're encouraged to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith and that the real test is the is this is Jesus in there by the holy spirit do you see his nature do you see the fruit of the spirit inside of you um 
and and I think this is a really, really important conversation, guys, um, and one that I'm wanting to stir up in your heart. I'm going to read a few more scriptures uh, for you guys just to, uh, again, just again to, to whet your appetite. Um, faith, the faith is so important. Um, it, it's something that can be imitated. It's something that can be taught. It's something that we can fight for. It's something that we can contend for. Um, Luke 18, 8 says this, uh, Jesus is coming back uh, and he's giving the parable of the widow. And he says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Um, when Jesus comes back, he's looking for faith. Um, I want to, I want to also, let me, give me a second here. I'm scrolling through my notes. Uh, faith can be imitated. Um, This one's important. Ephesians 4.13. The leadership of the church, the leadership of the church um, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, and then watch this, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, guys, I realize we're scratching the surface on one of the deepest, most Mount Everest topics of Christianity. And so thank you for giving me grace. Um, but I want you guys to begin to see this expression of the faith. Um, Paul says that the role of the church leadership was to equip the church for works of ministry until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God. And so I believe the knowledge of the Son of God, the knowledge of Christ, knowing who Jesus is, what he's done, why he's done it. You guys have heard me talk a lot about this the revelation of the gospel. Uh, the, the gospel is the revelation of Jesus Christ as our Messiah, our high priest, and our bridegroom. That that knowledge, that understanding, and that collective agreement where we all come to a place where we say, wow, Jesus is my Messiah. Jesus is my high priest. Jesus is my bridegroom. And that collectively as the church, we are unified in our faith in Christ, that we're unified in our faith. And this will be my last point for this, for this subject. And I realize I'm, I'm giving a lot of points and they're, and they're very big points. And so um, I'll have to go back and, and unpack these in greater measure in the weeks to come. Uh, but, but this brings me to my last thing I want to say about the faith is that I believe the reason the body of Christ is divided, uh, as divided as it is, is because we're trying to unify around expressions of the faith instead of the faith. Uh, let me explain that. Um, prayer is an expression of the faith. It's what I do because I have faith in God. Uh, sharing the gospel is another expression of the faith. Gathering on Sunday or Saturday or small groups, gathering as a body is an expression of the faith. Um, but the reason why we're divided is because those expressions vary. Um, those expressions, th th there's so many different types of prayer. There's so many different types of worship, so many different types of gatherings. Um, and, you, and you can study, you can look around the earth right now. There's so many unity movements gathering around 
expressions of the faith, relationship. They're like, hey, we need to be in relationship. Absolutely. We need to be in relationship. Absolutely. We should gather to worship. Absolutely. We should gather to pray. Absolutely. We should gather to share our faith. But the only thing that is going to bring unity to the body of Christ is a mutual expression and understanding uh, of us being joined to Christ as our Messiah, our high priest, and our bridegroom. Everyone in the body of Christ can be joined to Christ as, as, as Messiah, as high priest, as bridegroom, and that can never change. Who Jesus is, what he has done, and why he has done it is not up for grabs. This is the gospel. You can't, you can't argue that he died on a cross. Someone can say, well, I don't believe he died on a cross. Okay, then, then that excludes you from the faith because you're denying Christ. You're denying who he is and his nature and what he did and why he did it. And so this, this triune revelation of Jesus ever ascending in glory and goodness it is the it is the central focus of the faith of the body of Christ and and I may have lost some of you and I apologize if I have I have been deep in this this is a deep burden in my heart and my prayer and my cry for you is that we begin to dive into this and so what I'm going to do is we're putting together a list of scriptures um, on the faith. And we're going to make this available for download uh, on our website, www.braveheartministries.org. Um, we're going to make this available to you. Um, again, it may not be ready this week. We'll announce it perhaps next week or send it out. If you're not on our email list, make sure you get on one. Um, and we'll send this resource out because I want us, I, all I want to do with this podcast is to provoke you right now to begin to search out this conversation. Uh, you can do a word search on the faith, put it in quotations, uh, the faith, not just faith, but the faith, and begin to read and study the scriptures uh, that talk about the faith. Colossians 2, 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 2 Timothy 1, 13, follow the pattern of the sound word that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Galatians 1, 23, the only, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Um, again, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, Jude 1, 3, beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Second uh, Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Uh, Philippians 1, 27, I'll end with this one. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, somehow you take that mess of words that I just shared and poured out of my heart, Lord, that I'm sure maybe have left some more confused than others. God, give them grace, give them hunger, provoke them to your word to open their Bibles 
God, and to see the importance, the sacredness of the faith, God. And I ask that you would give me grace and others grace to articulate uh, and to provoke others into this conversation, uh, Lord, so that we can have a living flame on the altar of our hearts, that we can be connected to you, uh, not just in our minds, but by real experience, that we can experience union with you through a strong, vibrant, living faith. And so, Lord, I bless each person right now who's listening, who's maybe going through a trial or a circumstance. I want to encourage them in the name of Jesus to continue in the faith, Lord, that their spirit would stay joined to yours, that they would they would keep a gospel perspective that you, Jesus, are on your throne and that you are not moved uh, by what's happening in the shakings that are happening uh, in this realm. And so, Lord, I thank you that we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we rest in that, and we trust you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Most people feel stuck in their relationship with God because they're believing lies about what he's like. Your tax-deductible gift to Braveheart Ministries enables us to create simple resources that help people see and understand how good God really is. This results in people finding lasting freedom and deepening their connection to God. To make a donation, please go to braveheartministries.org forward slash give or text give to 469 469- Four two three nine nine six six. That is four six nine four two three nine nine six six. Give.